Hey, if you like listening to this podcast, you might like watching clips from it too. Go to youtube.com slash Bill Simmons. That is where we have the clips from all the latest episodes, six years of BS podcasts, as well as some rewatchable stuff too. YouTube.com slash Bill Simmons. Go check it out. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that. Made with high quality ingredients like seasoned slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Coming up on this one, it is action-packed. My friend Kevin Wilds came on to talk about uh, Mac Jones, the hot dog eating contest, KD and Kyrie, Aaron Judge. We hit a lot of topics. And then Peter Schrager, our last football combo before uh, probably late August. So we had to talk about Baker Mayfield and Jimmy G. Talked a little Mac Jones too. Elite QBs and, uh, and who we might like as an MVP sleeper. So there's that. And then last but not least, our guy Jimmy Kahn passed away, age 82. I couldn't believe it when I heard the news. We just did Misery for the rewatchables that he was one of the stars of. Did that three days ago with Brian Koppelman. So I brought Brian back to talk about why Jimmy meant so much to us. We called him Jimmy. It's like like if you love James Kahn enough, eventually you just started calling him Jimmy Kahn. Uh, He was in a bunch of rewatchables that we did over the last few years. And just over and over again proved that he was a one of one. There was nobody quite like him. Brian and I are going to explain why. It is all coming up next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Kevin Wilds is here, my old buddy from ESPN and Grantland and the Grantland Basketball Hour. You can find him on First Things First. Peter Schrager's coming up later in this podcast, and we do talk about Mac Jones for a second. You guys are in a feud, which I didn't We're realize. not in a Go feud. Ahead. Not, no, it's a, it feels like a feud. I feel like I'm in the middle of it. No. The only thing worse than being in a feud and being viciously insulted on the mm. internet is being completely ignored. And Peter Schrager sent out a tweet, which was a video, and he said, you know what? It's not a very big island, but I'm going to lead the Mac Jones fan club. Who's with me? And, and I was really, I mean, I bought a literal baby goat for Christmas that I was going to break out on our playoff games. My son loves stuffed animals. I had to hide this thing. So in case he saw it, I'd be like, no, that's not for you. It's for television. I mean, 
what more do I need to do? Well, I, I, so I, Schrager's I, tweet was he did the Mac Jones Allen and he, he name dropped me. He name dropped nephew Kyle and one other person. And you, you just felt like this is now Lord of the Flies. I don't know who's piggy, but I think I think you guys just need to go and you guys need to decide this once and for all. And by the way, I don't know where I am on this because nobody was more excited for chiseled jaw in shape Mac Jones photos than me. I was sending them, I was at seven different text threads about it, sending them to family members who hadn't heard from me in nine months. I was like, hey, did you see this? He looks amazing. amazing. That great. That I'll tell you what, if Tom Brady was smart, you want to sell some uh, t-shirts. Why don't you sign up Mac Jones, the baby goat? Have his sweaty Adonis upper body in some right. Brady wear. Woof, that will sell. Yeah. Can, I, can I keep on going on Mac Jones? I mean, we could do the whole Mac Jones podcast. Let's got, let's let's do give us one more Mac Jones things, and then we got to move. We have we have no, a whole agenda. Go, no, give it to us. Just a, a brief Mac Jones agenda. Um, we saw Mac Jones said he was going to work out with Tom House. We haven't seen video of it. We saw him uh, lifting weights. Great, getting stronger. Then we saw his Adonis Thor-esque body. Great. Then we saw a video of him throwing the long ball. He may have thrown it 80 to 90 yards. We're not sure because it wasn't tracking. The only thing that I want from technology as a whole, I don't need more social media. I don't need a smart refrigerator. What I need is the overall adoption of smart footballs, let's say, where you can, I can know if Mac Jones threw how many revolutions per minute and how far and how speed. Like an but app. For, it's just something. I know that the Steelers used, with, used this with Roethlisberger when he was coming back from his bum elbow or bum shoulder. But if I can know the exit velocity on every single baseball hit, I just want to know like, hey, is Mac Jones throwing the ball harder or not? Right now, it's just like, well, that looks good. I'm certainly going to say it's good, but I would like some hardcore data as well. That's or it. Or maybe we, maybe we don't want to know how hard he's throwing it. Maybe we want him to throw it as hard as we want him to throw it. Well, the Patriots can always. We, I mean, yeah, he throws a nice pillowy ball too. I mean, it's it's he you really don't. Have, it's, it's not just it's not Josh Allen just throwing fastballs all the time. It's, it's like catching a cloud. You bring up something that is very important to me. I love watching quarterbacks in the off season, just throwing ropes to people. And I also love Anthony Edwards and those two worlds merged when there was Anthony Edwards, just throwing 60 yard bombs and catching 60 yard bombs. And this was just, just the thing that was on the internet. That was like, just the best. I was like, I hate Twitter. I think it's the worst. I wouldn't care wow. if Elon Musk bought Twitter and destroyed it because I think it just brings a lot of evil to the world. And yet the reason I keep going back, is stuff like these Anthony Edwards, just the ability to watch him play football for two minutes. This should be, they're trying to figure out how to fund the big three right now. The big mm -hmm. three should just be just athletes who did, aren't football players just playing touch football who are just amazing athletes. I would watch that. Yeah. So Anthony Edwards some, we, in a we, football big three. We'd have some insurance issues with that. <laughs> the Timberwolves might not be happy about that. But, but, but it is, as an audience member, I, I understand why you would want that. This has been the summer Anthony Edwards. Hustle, I thought he was great. I, I thought he was in the short list of best basketball player performances I've seen in a movie. Like, honestly. Re I mean, Bernard what? King in Fast Breaks won. Okay. Ray, Allen, Ray Allen and he got game as two. And then it gets it, it gets dicey. You got to really start. But Anthony Edwards on that next level, I felt. Wow. Good, yeah. I, 
I thought he was good because he had, he had a nuanced role. It was like yeah. a lot of just whispering, a lot of like, hey, oh, oh, that's, oh, that's your mom. Oh, got it. Uh, did, were you upset that, uh, he was uh, psychological Bo warfare character, Bo which I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I loved it. Were you upset that Bo Diaz, uh, got released? And would In you real give life. him another, yeah, would you give him another shot based on the movie alone? I would. I'd be like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, when you watch Wancho and Hustle, it just feels like he should be one of the best 30 players in the league. <laughs> it's like, stretch four, unbelievable athlete, can Great lock work down. Ethic. What else does he, what else do you need from a stretch Anybody four? who works out with a monster truck tire is good with me. If you're throwing it, a ball through a monster truck tire, yeah, of course you got to be good. It would be a great Warriors minimum signing that I think everybody would get excited about. Like when people got excited about the Patrick Baldwin draft pick, like, oh, it's all the tools, call. the Warriors could figure it out. Same thing Macho. Oh, they signed that, the guy from Hustle. That is a great call. That is a great, or, or the Timberwolves. Like, I know Timberwolves got a lot of height already, but... I think they traded him already, though. Hold on. They, Timberwolves traded who? Well, that couple years ago, they traded Wancho, so they'd have well, to, but like, now you have, yeah. But I know, but now you have Anthony Edwards, and they would, like, join forces. It'd be a good narrative. Unbelievable. I, there should be some sort of SB for most beloved breakout, like, most beloved breakout star. Because Anthony Edwards, like, nothing really happened, right? They lost in round one. Um, mm -hmm. He probably, he had a big defensive screw-up at the end of one of those games. Yeah. So had some really fun moments. Yep. I think he kind of won people over as just like highest young guy approval rating in the league. So there's that. He was great in Hustle. Yeah. Which I think is the most watched Netflix movie this year, which is nothing. Can I, um, is that true or not? It no, I like think every, it was. It's like every It was month, number one uh, most, for like two weeks. Most, but is that algorithm specific to us because we're like clicking on the sports films? No, they have the top 10, which I think is just locked in. Okay. Well, good for Adam Sandler. So we had that. He had the football videos, which I just feel like should be part of his repertoire going forward. Mm -hmm. It's just nothing more fun than watching play football. And then the Gobert trade, they trade every draft pick they have until 2080 to try to get him a defensive center right now. It's just the, it's kind of the secret year of Anthony Edwards. I'm enjoying it. And, and he remember he had the quote that he didn't like, or he said he wasn't afraid of Gobert, but it, but it didn't register. It didn't stick. But poor Robbie Because Anderson, people like him. Nobody yeah. wanted to hold it against him. Poor Robbie Anderson wrote one Instagram comment, run one word. He just wrote, no. And now it's a big controversy because he got Baker. Anthony Edwards did a full soliloquy on how he didn't like Gobert. I'm like, ah, that's okay. You guys work it out. Robbie Anderson can't have an Instagram comment. I'll get put through the ringer. It all, it all comes down to how much people like you. I, we just need, the, the last piece for Edwards is no celebrity relationship. Just stay away from that. The celebrities are going to come at him. They're going to try to latch on. They're going to try to get the paparazzi relationship out of him. Just hold tight, Anthony Edwards. Find, find okay. the right person for you. Well, um, okay. Speaking of people we love who've won the summer, Chet Holmgren. That's another person. <laughs> yeah, this, is really, this podcast is really about Wilds planting flags. <laughs> I, 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 big time. Because so, we had on the ringer, we had Steve Cerruti and Kevin Clark. They basically decided for the draft, we want them to take Chet. And then there was, they kind of I thought like, they moved on that. Well, I they, they, they kind of talked themselves, split. they talked themselves into, what was it, Saruti? Was it a 50-50 split or was it both you, both you guys for Chet? We both wanted Chet, definitely. We oh, were okay, team I'm Chet. sorry. But then it was one of those, 
it seemed like they were taking Jabari. So it became one of those situations like I wanted my daughter to go to my alma mater, but now she's going here. And, and then two weeks later, you're like, no, we always wanted her. You know, Michigan's yeah, sure. a great school, but you're like mm -hmm. devastated they didn't go to Notre Dame. I they That's where those guys were with Jabari and I think most of the fan base. And then they did the Palo thing and then the summer league happens. And now Orlando is like, the season hasn't even started yet. Did we screw up the pick? Well, that's um, what, well. So they're playing tonight, Paolo versus Jabari tonight. I don't know when we're going to put this out. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. If those guys feel any pressure to either outscore each other or outscore Chet's debut, the thing about Chet, and I'm hardcore team Chet. Um, were you at all? Were you at all worried about how Kenny Lofton Jr. kind of put his uh, put his shoulder into Chet's <laughs> sternum? And treated him like one of those skateboarding memes where the guy goes flying down the street because, I, you know, I talk a big game, but I'd be lying if I told you it wasn't a little bit concerning considering Kenning Lofton Jr. isn't Joel Embiid. It's a concern. So two things. Never overreact to Summer League. That's one of my rules in life. I tell my kids yeah. that. I'll tell my grandkids, same thing. Um, Chet's upside was never the question to me. The question to me was always... Can he stay on the floor and how is his body going to evolve over the next five, seven years? The talent was never in question. Okay. So to me, it's not surprising that he looked awesome in a summer league game. And it's also not surprising that he got pushed around because he's 19. The question for oh, me is, what is he going to look like when he's 26? What is his body going to look like? Can he avoid the injuries that some of these tall, lanky guys have seemed to have? And that's why it's such a tough draft pick. I don't think, I don't even know if there's a right answer. Because if you're all in on Chet and he gets mm -hmm. hurt, were you wrong? What? So if he gets if he gets hurt, knock on. If he what? just has like the same kind of big guy injuries that we've seen with different people, does that mean you were wrong? Because what if he shows he was awesome when he was healthy, and then he kept getting hurt? Were you wrong? Well, I mean that's a good question. First of all, he's never been hurt, and one of the reasons I think he hasn't good been point. hurt, and a lot of it when they done studies on this. It's a lot of it's just luck, right? If you land on someone's foot, it is what it is. But I am not in the school of thought that Chet needs to start pounding protein shakes and Chet needs to put on 20 pounds and Chet needs to hit the weight room. Me that too. Feels, they that said this about Durant. Like Durant didn't do this. No. So it's exact. And Durant's not, like, you gain a little bit of muscle and you, you get you get what every man knows. You get that old man strength. Or, or, you know, medium, middle-aged man strength. He doesn't have to gain any weight. You just kind of just get stronger and you get better at ping pong as you get older. It's just, you, there's nothing you actually do, but those skills just come to you. So yeah. I think Chet's old man strength will come hopefully a little sooner than later. Yeah, don't but, do the Anthony Davis, I've put on 30 pounds of muscle. No, gosh. And now, now I look like a different human being and look how strong I am in this preseason game and then I get hurt a month later. That's an interesting take. Don't do that. Maybe should Anthony Davis lose a ton of weight? Oh, get back I've, to being like how about this? skinny I've, Kentucky Anthony Davis. Huh. I've made the take. It's a great look take. At, look at the history of these big guys as they've gotten older. The smart ones get skinnier. Did Tim Duncan put on weight? No. Tim Duncan started to look like he was like a beach volleyball player by the time he was like, you know, 2012 range. I hmm. think that's the move. Because you want that's you want to be lighter. Remember me when I made my famous comeback for pickup hoops in my early forties yeah. for those two years? What did I do? You got, I got, you know, I got skinnier. I was light. 
Cut the carbs. Yeah. Cut the carbs. I was, on like, I, was, I was like 170 pounds. I was flying around. No, Same you thing. weren't. Me, no, you Duncan. Were you were not 170 pounds. I was 170. What are you talking about? I was actually lower after the Olympics. Yeah. One se- yeah. That, if you were 170, that means some days you wake up, you're like 167. Yeah. No way. No I was. Way. You're, no, you're sneaky tall. No one I'm realized telling that. you. You're, I was like sneaky one, tall. When I came back from London, I was like 165. And my wife was like, you need to start drinking milkshakes. I don't want to... <laughs> I'm not dating like, you know, some Christian Bale in the movie where he lost 80 pounds. This isn't happening. <laughs> the so, machinist? Is that what those? You're the machinist. You're not dating the machinist. Um, the, uh, the chat thing, though, I think is going to be really fun. And in general, the basketball subplots are so much fun because then we also have the KD Kyrie thing. Which, All right, so what do you... What, what, you know what? Let's, let's take a break because this okay. deserves its own thing. This baseball season turned K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up using promo code BS. Place your first bet. FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets. If you don't win, I would go with a Nick Pavetta comeback performance against the Yankees this weekend. He got shelled by the Rays. I don't see him having two bad ones in a row. He has been on a tear all season. Hard thrown righty. Go for Pavetta and the Red Sox. FanDuel Sportsbook, safe and secure. Great promotions every day. You get paid fast. There is no better place to bet America's pastime than America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code BS to get started with your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Must be 21 plus president in Arizona, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Louisiana, permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, West Virginia, Wyoming. First online real money wager only. Refund issued is not much trouble. Free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Connecticut, 888-789-777. In Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER. In Michigan, 800-270-7117. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Tennessee red line is 800-889-9789. And in West Virginia, 1800-GAMBER.net. I stole this take from you, so just do it because I oh. did it a couple of days ago. Now I, I I referenced you, I credited you, but you're <laughs> okay. Do your last dance thing. Just give us the official KD Kyrie in the last dance. Okay, so it's it's fun. I get it to play musical chairs with KD and Kyrie. What uniform are they going to wear? You get on the trade machine. I get it. This would be my offer to them if I was Josai. I would go and get. Two Last Dance DVDs, not stream it, the actual DVDs. So you got to really commit and say, guys, what is this movie about? And it's, oh, it's about Michael Jordan's greatness and it's about teamwork. It's not. It's about a group of guys, Phil Jackson, namely Phil Jackson, Scottie Pippen, and Michael Jordan, who are very upset with management. But rather than flee, they say, you know what? Let's print up the binders and write the last dance on and we'll go hard. And when we win, it will be a celebration with the management, but we're really sticking it to the management. Mm. Now that theory works. If you subscribe to the idea 
that Kyrie feels disrespected, and that's why he wants out. And as an ancillary um, downfall of that, KD feels disrespected on Kyrie's behalf. Now, I don't know if that's true, but if they're upset at management, then they should last dance it. And I've yet to figure out, we're almost two weeks into this KD thing, why does KD want to leave? No one has given me a straight answer that makes any sense. And now Chris Haynes is saying that he's gone zero dark 30 and not answering anybody's call. It's not because he wants a better chance to win because Brooklyn is favored in the East if they come back. It's not because... One of the favorites. One of the favorites, okay. It's not because he doesn't want to play with Kyrie because there's reports that he does want to play with Kyrie. Uh, It's not the money. The money's going to be saying, not the contract. I don't think it's Steve Nash. He handpicked Steve Nash. And if it was, he could go to Sean Marks and say, let's move Steve Nash. If it's Sean Marks, he could go to Joe Sy and say, let's move Sean Marks. And if it's Joe Sy, doesn't like the ownership group, then you wouldn't have Robert Sarver and the Suns on your wish list. So what's the issue? I haven't figured it out. Only just general discontent. So it, be mad at management and go to the last dance. It's the same strategy I did for Grantland Basketball, if you remember in October. I went to That's you right. and Jacoby and I was like, this is probably our last dance. <laughs> Let's go out true. with an Emmy. <laughs> Let's make is- the greatest show we could make. I'm really proud of that show. They were really good. We made 10 and then, you know, we didn't, we we basically got shelved, but it was very similar. It's, you know, a lot of people don't mention that last dance part. No, they Um, don't. So your last dance analogy, everything is there except for, um, playoff success. True. And I think Kyrie is just so much more, I'm trying to be nice, erratic, unreliable. Than Pippen, who Steve Kerr said was the greatest teammate he ever had. Okay. And just, who got surgery before the season as an FU to the team. But other than that, was okay. pretty just, reliable for those guys. Kyrie, I think the problem with Kyrie is he's one of the most unreliable athletes we've ever had in a team sport. Okay. Just to Kyrie's defense. No. Sc- Scotty Pippen got elective surgery. Not wasn't yeah. elective. It was a surgery that he needed, but he postponed it. So he could mi- miss weeks of games. Wasn't and great. Jordan was, Hard no. one to defend. Yeah. Spiteful. Kyrie, Spiteful, uh, some people would say. <laughs> Kyrie took a week off for some personal matters and the whole vaccination issue we'll put over there. They also had Dennis Rodman on the team who missed, had excused absences to wrestle. And play so and go to Vegas just to gamble. <laughs> just, just to hang out. Just yeah. to hang out with Carmen Electra. So the idea that Kyrie... Is, is on the same plane as those guys, I, I think is unfair. Put the vaccination stuff aside as a one-year um, New York quirk, let's say, New York law quirk. Put that aside. This year, what is preventing Kyrie from, let's not say eight, let's not say 82 games, let's say 60 games. So you know what? Let's pencil in 10 games. How about this? What if I did game show? 82 games or 82 minutes? What would you bet on for Kyrie? You could only pick one of the two. Okay, well, uh, then of of course, I'm not going to pick 82 games. I just don't think he, he, I don't think he wants to, I don't think his, I don't think it would be wise to do 82 games. How about 55 games or 55 minutes for Kyrie seasons? I would go all in. I'm all in on 55 games. All right, 65 games or 65 minutes? 65, but that's it. 66, that's it. So 66, you're out. You're tapping out. 67. (laughs) 
I'll go the whole way. It's like the this boiling be a good frog bet. I'll How many games will Kyrie play this year? That I'll, I'll get back up all the way to 82. I would say the over-under for him is, for games played this year, I think cannot be higher than like 55 and a half. In a Nets uniform or you're saying if I, Like period. if I'm FanDuel, if I'm setting that line, the period, games played this season, I think it has to be like 55 and a half. Maybe even lower. Maybe it's 50 and a half. Because you're trying to attract equal betting action on both sides, right? Some people go into that and say, oh, he's not playing under. So you got to have yeah. some sort of thing. Anyway, go ahead. I don't um, have to do. No, no. So I think that I, I don't think this Lakers deal gets done. And I think because... Well, you know why the, the Lakers deal is going to get done? It's simple economics. Westbrook costs $11 million more than Kyrie. The Nets are a tax team. So not only would they have to take a worse player, but then they would also have to take on like another $50 million in tax bills. And Joe Sy, I mean, this guy's like a ruthless businessman. He, you know, he's one runs Alibaba. He's not going to be like, oh, cool. Let's throw Let's set more money on fire because Kyrie doesn't want to be here anymore. So he you think in the fuck you mode. Okay. So you think it's, so, so if you don't think Kyrie is going to get done and I don't think, I'm not sure there's any, there's no way that the Nets are going to win the KD trade. I think Post- he stays. I think he stays too. So here we go. So now they just need a motivation to stay. And that is like, stick it to the management. And here's the other question for you. I think, not, I think, that, I think it's my- the most likely way that it plays out. But I think it could be KD and Kyrie just goes away until the season starts and they figure out some sort of trade before February would be my prediction. Two more things. One. Why is Steve Nash still the coach of that team? Steve Nash was, was, you know, there's reports that, oh, he wasn't handpicked by Durant. Like, okay, I've seen the videos of Durant and Steve Nash working out in Golden State. Maybe it's just a big old coincidence, but it certainly feels like Kevin Durant, if Kevin Durant didn't want him as the coach, I think he would have vetoed it. But it feels like they had a good relationship, of course. But he's still the coach. He's still the coach. Why? Because I think losing Steve Nash would, would reduce your chances of keeping KD. The other reason I think they stay is three weeks, no, sorry, two months ago, Kyrie was referring to him and KD as the cornerstones of the organization. And yeah. they were going to build with Sean and Joe. No, but you can't, you can't quote Kyrie. It's not fair to quote Kyrie. No, but it's two months ago. He, he'll say one thing one day and then he'll say the complete opposite thing the next day. Well, it's I know, like but you it's might like, as well like quote your kids and be like, wait, well, you no, told no, me... No, no. You told me you weren't going to eat candy again. It's like, you <laughs> no. just can't. So it's like Summer League. If Chet plays well, look, Summer League counts. If Chet plays poorly, I'm like, come on, you guys are making a big deal out of Summer League? This, yeah. If, Ky- if Kyrie's, if the Kyrie stay, Kyrie wants to stay quotes, I put a lot of value to. Now, Kyrie don't take anything seriously from him. On the red carpet of uh, the award show, I'm not putting a lot of credit, credence in. I like your last dance thing. I have a couple more things for you. Go. I have, I have two smaller ones and then a bigger one. Which one do you want? I like the small ones. Okay. Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. The ultimate example we have right now in 2022 of somebody who needs a time machine, who needs to go back to 1998 where he would immediately become one of the three most famous athletes we had. Now he's in 2022 and it's fine and the Yankee fans love him and nobody else cares. And if this is 1998 
It's like, can Aaron Judge hit 65 homers? Could he be the most talented Yankee ever? Aaron Judge watch, because we cared about, everyone cared about baseball as a national sport back then. And we needed like, you know, the sluggers were the sexiest guys. The McGuire Sosa, those were like for sports content. We love those guys. And now in 2022, it's like, eh, whatever. Baseball has become this, in the playoffs, everyone cares. Mm-hmm. But during this season, freaking Otani, which I, and, and this has become a new sports media trope where people do the segments where they go, I can't believe people don't care more about Otani. And that's just the segment. But there are no Otani conversations because he's not on a winning team. It's the way it's going to be. He'll never be in the playoffs, at least with this Angels team, unless they can figure it out. Nobody's going to really care about Otani until he's actually playing in October. With Judge, he's the best Yankee. He's in yep. a contract year. He's sticking it to them. He's yeah, awesome. had all these walk-off homers. And just think like how we would have reacted to this in 1997 or 1998. Aaron Judge needs a time machine is my take. So, so solid take. Thanks. Do you, do you think that how the home run, the Maguire Sosa, you know, saved baseball post-strike. Do you think Aaron Judge chasing, let's say 60, just because 60, 61 still feels like a magical record, even though I know it's not. But 61 chasing, in 1998 was magical and he was he's on pace right now. Yeah. So do you think him going after that, if, you know, the as PR a Yankee. machine, as a Yankee, oh, that, I didn't even think about that. Like a little like, Maris Mantle yeah. Babe Ruth thing. Do you think that that could just sort of, I don't know, turn up the PR machine and that would catapult him? Like once he gets to 58, I think it, it will start to, it'll start well, to heat up. Unless think about, that starts to become near football season. Think about the Yankee who's getting a multi-part documentary on ESPN a little bit later this month that we'll be covering on the New York, New York podcast with our guy, John Jastrzemski. What Judge is doing just this season is greater than any Derek Jeter season by far. Jeter was the best Yankee, but from like a kick-ass standpoint, he's not one of the four best Yankees ever. I think he's, you know, one of the best, probably the best modern Yankee the last 25 years. Yeah. But Judge's talent this season and his stats and his impact is like the most important Yankee season anyone's had. And there are no national conversations about it. Because people just don't talk about baseball that way anymore. But, but what do you want them? But what do you want the conversation to be? I there is no conversation. It's it like is what, what it I'm is. Saying. People like, are gonna they'd much rather talk about Kyrie for the tenth straight day or where Baker Mayfield's going. That's fine. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying he missed out. He needs to cop in a time machine. Okay. I, it's almost and this is a weird. I'm thing still in workshopping the take, but I like. No, it. it's okay. It's a it's a solid take. When the when. I called like uh, no hitters in the Patriots undefeated season where mm. it's like, oh, a pr- uh, hey, there was a no hitter. There was a perfect game. Do you want to talk, put it in the show? And, like there's nothing to discuss. It was yeah. just awesome. And when the Patriots went 18 and 0, once they got to, I don't even know when we stopped really talking about it because the conversation only was, can they go undefeated? Then they want to get, all right, now they're 10 and 0. Can they go? Same, so it's like there, a Groundhog no Day combo. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it, it's almost like You know what's a more good. fun version of this was Miami's 27-game winning streak in basketball when they had a chance to get to 33. I think that was like the most underrated, really fun streak we've had. I remember that and The Warriors' 25-game one was fun too, but the Bulls, but, the Bulls beat them. But you, you don't remember that a, game? No, I don't remember that at all. 
You were fucking working for a sports company. I don't know. I mean, I think it was off. I, I think it was off those three months. No, I don't remember that. What, Feel bad. Did you have a kid born in 2012, 13, Wrench? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's what happened. See that? That's <laughs> it's, just, it's either either I was I was born in July. Uh, I have but, like so I don't really remember anything that happened in 2008 for sports Yeah, I was there the whole time. I just don't remember anything that happened. Second kid is just like murdered my brain. Pop up. Just yeah. pop up. You just try to an- you're just answering the bare minimum amount of emails to keep your job. Like, all right. I'm either trying go. to stay awake or being yelled at. Those just, are really I, the two things. I would just have a spit up rag on me at all times. And then I was, once I lost that, I was able to go back to work. Do you, are there any other guys you think would have just been better off 25 years ago than they are right now? The other one I was thinking was Kyler Murray. I think people would have gone nuts for him in 1998. Like, oh my God, look at this guy. I mean, this is like. Jesus. Uh, I, think I mean, you could go with all the shooters and all that stuff, but. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much. I don't know. I, I need some. I need some time on that. All right, you work on. You work on that. Maybe next yeah. time. All right. Okay. My other. Uh, my other small take is actually your take because you brought this up. <laughs> the, the hot dog contest. You have your own take of the hot dog contest. I just feel like Joey Chestnuts. He's ruined it in a way that I think is really profound, and I don't hold it against him. But it really reminds me of when the Devils did that trap that one year with Brodeur. And all of a sudden, hockey just wasn't fun anymore. And it took them like years to bounce back from it. Um, I remember when Ivan Lendl was really good for a while. People were like, fuck, men's tennis, what happened? And the hot dog contest, which I used to love, but now really the only thing that seems to matter is can he beat the over-under that they set for him? Nobody's within 20 of them. And it's just, he's just ruined it. I, I can't think of anything like it. Yeah, so I have two takes on this. One is a rules change. So mm. I was watching the hot dog eating contest. From now on, we have to reset. There's no more dunking your buns in the water. So no you more just, soggy buns. You can, no more soggy buns. It's, it's, un, it's an unnatural way to eat a hot dog. And if we want to be honest about the integrity of the hot dog eating contest, it has to feel like you're actually eating hot dogs like at a normal picnic on July 4th. No one's dumping the buns. And if you want, you know what I was like? If we want to really want to do this, I'm going to put 50 hot dogs in a blender and drink the whole darn thing. If we want to start, if we <laughs> yeah, want to like, start messing, the line? You're right. There is none. Like, well, okay, Kevin, you can't, uh, you can't use electricity. All right, I'll get a, a little hand crank. And I'll crank up a blender and I'll, I'll like, wow, wow, it's just drank 30 hot dogs. It doesn't work. <laughs> so that's the first rule change. Like the other that. one is more, is Joey Chestnut's dominance scaring off other, other people? Oh, are, like are future, people, future champions just give yeah. up before they even thought about doing Don't, it. They're like, you know what? I'm better off going, <laughs> going to the chicken wings category. That, that's where the money is. I can't go. What's the point of showing up here and coming in third place? No, I'm going to go down to the mayonnaise drinking competition, whatever it is. So I think some of Joey Chestnut's dominance is uh, might be hurting the sport. So there you go. That's a, or, that's your, or do we need to branch out to other foods and try to brand them? There's no and, interest. They've tried that. The, pizza? The, pizza doesn't work? Uh, I ate too much pizza on 4th of July and I had to lie down for like 45 minutes. I just... There's, it's just not going to take off. It's a little bit of the Nathan's, a little bit of the mustard belt. It's a little bit of the July 4th. It, I don't think there's another, maybe on Thanksgiving, you could have a 
gravy drinking competition before football, a little 10 a.m. Gravy drinking? <laughs> oh, I don't know. No, turkey legs. But no, I think, I think the American sports fans' appetite for competitive eating is about 15 minutes. I don't, I don't think we should stretch it. That's why I couldn't believe they did a 30 for 30 about it. I definitely would not have, not have greenlit that one. It's good. It's a well, I just, good one. I'm, uh, to me, the it, the capacity for me is like four minutes of watching. When they cut the, the one this year, they cut to the one guy with the beard and just all the stuff was stuck to his beard. And it was just yeah. disgusting. I mean, was, <laughs> well, uh, the, the thing with the hot dog contest is you look forward to it. And then when you're watching it, it's just the most disappointing entertainment experience. <laughs> There's nothing fun about it. It's disgusting. No. It's like in the challenge. They just had the challenge all-stars. Congratulations to Wes and John A, uh, West getting another title, but they, they stopped there in the middle and they had, they eat like these disgusting animal things and they're just, everyone's throwing up. And I always okay. just fast forward it. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. It's disgusting. Yeah, not a, not a big fan. Yeah. I liked your thing. All right. Last thing for you is, um, we're in, it's not even a content void that we're about to enter. It's a nadir. Oh, we haven't had this for a couple of years. After we get through the Wimbledon final, which we just, Kyrgios has now advanced into the finals because Nadal, um, he bowed out with his abdominal injury. So we're going to have this, the women's final with two people that frankly have no name recognition at all. And then the men's final, which is going to be Djokovic versus Kyrgios, which will be, I think, amazing. really good theater. That's going to be an amazing match. And then we just go into an abyss. And all of a sudden, it's the baseball all-star game that nobody cares about anymore, even though people watch it. Home Run Derby, which is fun, but I feel like it's the same thing every year. British Open, SummerSlam, there'll be a UFC event, and that's it. And I guess here's my thought, Wilds. Somebody's not looking out for the big picture here. Hmm. It shouldn't dip off like this. We should have been more creative. Like the U.S. Open, should the U.S. Open be sooner? Oh, I... Should should we bring the golf majors? Should we reconfigure the golf majors again? How do we fix this so there's more stuff so we don't have a void like this? Because it's I, I think it's bothersome. Okay. So first thing, home run derby and all-star game, I think, I think are still big events and are interesting. So if you I think it starts after that. So Tuesday, it's, it's a Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now I don't get a weekend out of it. Yeah, all-star game is fun for an inning and it's fun to bet on, but I did, there's no, I like no huge conversations the next day about the All-Star game. I like it. Okay. So U.S. Open is a great idea to push the U.S. Open back. Yeah. One of the, one of the big issues uh, when I worked at ESPN was it would, remember there was, uh, there was a night that it got rained out on a Sunday and then it got pushed to Monday and I'm like, well, it's Monday night football. Yeah. And it's like what are we the doing? U.S. Open. It, it's tough. So I think pushing that back, it's a little hot, probably too hot in the daytime. Is so August that much hotter than September though? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yes, it is. So, but maybe you could have more nighttime matches. I know people like to go and, you know, drink that uh, Grey Goose drink with the little melon that looks like tennis ball in the afternoon. But maybe if it you feels like have a longer window with more night matches, so it's not too hot. It feels like it, the final should be the week before the NFL season. Uh, I'm, I'm into that. I don't want to mess with that at all. Then I was thinking, like, could there be like a college football, like the preseason NNT college basketball has? Could no, college football bad. do something that 
you know, college football, basically they've blown up the entire sport. It makes no sense anyway. You might as well have preseason stuff. That's not bad. Okay, I've got one for you. Yeah. What do you think about organized exhibitions? So, not organized box, not not like the boxing, although I think that that does work, whether or not I'm interested in, in it. But the Ben Johnson versus Michael Johnson 150 meter dash, like a, a, like an event, old timer like, oh, events. No, no, not. But oh, you mean like new event? Like we're creating new events for current athletes that don't currently exist. Yeah, maybe maybe Olympic athletes. Maybe it's Tyreek Hill is always challenging everybody up to a race on Twitter, but it never happens. So maybe it's an organized event. And could it be bad? Could thing. it be Battle of the Network Stars or the Superstars? No, no, Those shows that we could. What if they had the crazy prizes for him? I guess I, I don't. I don't think anybody wants. I don't know. I think that was a moment in time. I don't what think if it's will... a football league where Anthony Edwards is just the automatic QB yeah, and it's I, a bunch of people that had it made the NFL. It's just Anthony Edwards <laughs> chucking footballs and nobody's yeah. allowed to touch Anthony Edwards. He can't get hurt. There's no way for him to get hurt. Too dangerous. Regardless. Okay, still oh, too dangerous. Okay. Okay. Here, here's the other idea. This is a little bit of, of a rejection of your premise. Yeah. Is this month basically late July football like thanksgiving morning where no one wakes up and says well it's thanksgiving morning let me get a, a three eggs some sausage and bacon oh uh, like we use a, this time to refuel you, you, this is the time you actually starve you don't starve yourself but you get hungry on purpose like i'm not gonna eat till two o'clock maybe i you know you're just it's a, like a miniature fast and right. boom here get comes ready the for late august here we go. Get ready for football. And maybe this, this, you know, desert of sports, besides, you know, the regular season desert of championships, let's call it. Maybe that's necessary to, and that's what happens when football is there and you're like ready for it. That's the, football is the Thanksgiving turkey hitting the table. So you're preaching the choir for the first time in 10 years. I'm taking off a significant amount of time from this podcast. I'm taking five weeks off. Five weeks. I'm taking five you weeks off. that. Fight me. <laughs> you have to. But if you, when you looked in the mirror and said, "Can I take five weeks off?" There, it should have been a part of you. I'm taking five like, weeks off no. from the podcast, and I'm going to continue to grind like I always did in the other 47 weeks. You know who loves this? Nephew Kyle. Super excited about it. Five Almost weeks. Almost burst into tears when I told him. Yeah, five weeks. Are you putting pods. some stuff on tape? I'll put People a half big ideas thing on tape. Well, I People mean, five weeks. It'll be fine. Everyone oh, will be fine. Yeah. yeah. That's too long. It's not too long. There's going to be nothing to talk about. We're going to be doing, <laughs> doing do some dumb stuff. <laughs> I'll do some half baked ideas. You have one half baked <laughs> idea before we go? They're not ready. They're like an eighth baked. They're not good enough yet. Okay. Well, when I come back from, from my little mini hiatus, then you'll, you'll have some half bakes. Yeah. They'll be over baked. It'll be like burnt. Uh, we'll still be able to see you on first things first, though. Every day. Every, I'm taking, you know what I'm taking? Five days off. Five days, that's it. And then we're back to the content. Delivering Fair. you the content that you need and deserve. Kevin Wilds, good, good to see you as always. <laughs> All right, Peter Schrager is here from NFL Network and Fox. The next time you and I talk, it will be very close to the uh, NFL season. Right now, we're entering the dog days and 
Uh, there's not a lot of stuff to talk about, and yet there is. So, I don't know, it's not even mid-July yet. Somehow we still have storylines. Usually we have moved into the, this guy looks great. He's in the yeah. best shape of his life. Or watch out for this guy. Possible MVP. Sleeper so team. Sleeper. So-and-so is so happy in his new home, a.k.a. Russell Wilson. And yet we still have some storylines. So the first thing was the Baker Mayfield trade. Carolina finally gets him. Walk us through the thinking of the Panthers and how they played this. This deal was, the parameters were set months ago. And if you watch Good Morning Football, everyone would say, well, what's going to happen with Baker? Is there any chance he'd, he'd suck it up and go back to Cleveland? And the answer was no all along. And that came from both sides, Cleveland and Baker's side. Now, the Panthers, they were interested, but at a certain cost. And the narrative yesterday, and especially on like Twitter, was like, what a steal. The Panthers, okay, and Baker's the number one guy. They had this deal done for two months, but they weren't going to pay more than the $5 million that they're going to end up paying him. So when it went from being the Browns would pick up $7 million to $8 million, finally, when it got down to $5 million, you look at the backup quarterbacks in the NFL, there are several that are making more than $5 million. And it was like, at that cost, and with the fact that Sam Darnold is still an uncertainty, yes, we'll make that trade. But this wasn't this like amazing coup by the, by the Panthers or this great aggressive. There was no market. There was literally, I mean, the Seahawks were not in the market and the Panthers held all the leverage on this as the Browns wanted to trade Baker. So at the end of the day, the Browns are paying Baker $10.5 million. The Panthers will pay $5 million. It'll be a one-year deal. Darnold's on a one-year deal. And it's going to be truly a, may the best man win. But Sam Darnold's 25, has the offense and is getting to know Ben McAdoo, the offensive coordinator before Baker. So I said that it's a true competition. And I was like, you know, everyone gives me the, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm holding, I'm carrying water. I'm carrying water for who? For Sam Darnold? Uh, no, it's just, this is going to be one of the only true competitions in camp. And I'd say right now it is not Baker's job to lose. It's Darnold's job to lose. Hmm. It's almost like NBA where, where teams just bet on the pedigree. Like yeah. the Warriors betting on Andrew Wiggins and hoping it was the situation and not the player. And they have two of these guys now. They have a guy who's the number one pick. And what was Darnold? Was he, I was, I, he was three. top three. Yeah, three. three. It's the first time I, since the 1980 Raiders that had Plunkett and Dan Pastorini, that two players in the top three at that position are on the same squad. And it's from the same draft. So, I, look, I don't think they were overjoyed with what they got out of Darnold. I think there's still a book to be told, but he's 25 years old. They still think there's a future there. And at $5 million, Baker Mayfield for a year, it was like, kind of why not? And now Matt Corral, who was drafted and was a guy that people liked before the draft, He'll sit and watch, and I think at the end of the season, they'll assess either which one of them is going to be good enough between Baker and Donald, or, all right, neither one of these guys are our guys for the future. Let's give Corral a shot after a year of watching and learning. We've already spent too much time on this because neither guy is going to be good enough. That's the funniest thing about this. Well, that's they the, set up this QB competition, and it's, what, a 10% chance You're right. they strike oil with one of them. I think Baker, at least we've seen him you know, in the playoffs and competing. And I think he brings some Christmas stuff. The bigger story to me with this is not Carolina. It's it is just everything. I just, it is a masterclass on how to completely fuck up a situation. They make the Deshaun trade, which is, you know, we had the Gobert trade, which was terrible for different reasons for Minnesota. Yeah. I think just, they gave up 270 cents of the dollar and their odds on FanDuel right now are 36 to one to win the title. So you give up all this stuff, you're not even like a title contender. Getting a bump, yep. The Cleveland thing's different. They make this trade that they gave away this incredible price. Covered this a couple weeks ago on this pod. Um, they guaranteed his contract. 
They have no idea when he's going to play. And then they blew up their relationship with Baker, which it seems like they wanted to do. But ultimately, they had this guy under contract. They know he's at least semi-competent. They have to pay him. Now they're going to have to find another quarterback because it doesn't seem like there's any way Watson's playing this year. So they're spending all the money on Watson, even though like it's only guaranteed for whatever this year. I know they rigged it. They have to pay Mayfield $10 million to go away because they botched the relationship. And now they have to find a third quarterback. How do they botch the Baker relationship this badly? Because he's still under contract. He's still getting paid. Like Ultimately, it's his job. And if they're like, dude, sorry about all the stuff from before, but you got to come in. You're our starting quarterback. I don't understand how they had no leverage in that. Bridge so explain was, that to me. Bridge was completely burned and Baker's a different breed. Like, you know, everyone compares Baker and Jimmy Garoppolo in situations. Like, give them like they're very different guys. Jimmy is the ultimate, hey, it's okay, let's go. I just tunnel vision. Like Baker was scorched earth and did not want to return, demanded the trade, went on Instagram, aired it out. And I was like, okay, but at least we patched up because a, a rational thinking approach to it would be, bro, go in there kick some ass, and then go start yeah. with another team next year when the when your contract's up. Right. Sean loved it. And it just never got to that point. And the Browns didn't want him either. Like from, from everything I'm hearing and all the sources I have, it was like, once they went down this Watson road, it was like, it's going to be the cleanest way. And clean is not the term I would use to, in this situation, but that Baker can't be here. Like Baker cannot be here in any way. And we have to get rid of ourselves with Baker. And for a while there, it looked like they were holding strong and they're like, we're not paying him. We're not going to trade him 50 cents on the dollar. A, fi- a conditional fifth round pick and they have to eat $10 million of the salary to get Baker Mayfield. And yet the Browns probably feel better this morning than they did two days ago because it's just, they're done with Baker and they can move on. And they've already made their bed with Deshaun Watson. And you said you think he's going to be gone the whole season. I have no info that that's the case. That might be a six to eight week suspension. It might be the whole season. We still don't know. And the way they're looking at it is Jacoby Brissett, he'll, he's there as, a, as an ultimate backup quarterback and we'll deal with that. And when Watson, I know. He's terrible. Wa- I know. And when Watson, I was back, his last fan. He couldn't, like, he, he couldn't even play a quarter successfully last season for the Dolphins. They were dying to let him at least be the stable backup who takes over because they didn't trust Tua. And he couldn't even do that. He's going to be even worse for them. I don't know. I, I just feel like Baker's under contract. If he wants to get paid, he has to show up and perform. And what what are they, going to the Super Bowl? Like, they aren't going to the Super Bowl with this team if Watson's going to be out half the season or the whole season or whatever. I don't see any scenario where he doesn't miss at least half the season. Then on top of it, you're acclimating him. You're trying to figure out the media fan base thing. It is the biggest distraction in the league right now with all the off-court, all the off-field baggage. So I, I, would, I would have just done a staring game with Baker. It, to me, it, it just tells me that they didn't want to deal with it. I think that's so, right. So they and paid him $10 million to go away, go away, which is insane. $10 million to go away and to, and to just rid themselves of that and focus on this problem instead and right, to, not have to, that to, looming. To focus on this much bigger distraction. This much more giant colossal problem at $320 million or whatever they're paying him. Um, and know, all the, the draft big- picks they lost on top of it and all the goodwill they burned with a lot of people who cared about that team and that organization. So I just, I don't think you can do worse than the Browns did for the last four months. I really don't. I, I don't think you can do worse. And it's a fascinating case study because Andrew Barry was on this, you know, and still is on the skyrocket of uh, reputation as a GM. He's one of the youngest GMs in the league. He is a Harvard graduate and he's got Stefanski as a head coach who's a Penn graduate. These are not... in. These, 
Okay, I, you know, I don't equate Ivy League to smart necessarily overall, but these are not dumb guys. Right. And they have done all the, and they have an analytics department. And Were you got, just worried about Ivy League shaming? I, I, I was worried about it. I didn't want, I didn't want uh, just the opposite. I didn't want people to say, you dummies, you Ivy League guys don't do that. Um, the truth of the matter is like, these aren't stupid people. And Stefanski's a father and Barry's got a family. And like, they knew what they were getting into with this. They didn't go into this blindly. And the Falcons were interested in Watson and the Panthers were interested in Watson and the Saints were interested in Watson. And yet here we are and we're heading towards, you know, middle of July and this thing is still unresolved. Judge Robinson has done her due diligence on it, but the NFL still has not levied a, a penalty and is still keeping the door open for potentially more accusers. Wait, and uh, somehow Jenny Vrentes has investigated this better than anybody involved, which makes no know. sense. Well, She's done an amazing job from a journalistic standpoint. But to your point, when you were interviewing, I guess, Nora and yeah. wh- whoever and else Curtis. Chris and Curtis that day, it's like the Browns, they did what they said was their due diligence. But Jenny's uncovering testimonies from actual women involved yeah. in this thing. So the Browns the NFL, found out what they wanted to find out, basically. I think that's <laughs> I think that's fair to say. What's interesting is like just you go on FanDuel, AFC North. Baltimore's plus 160, Cincinnati's plus 180. The Browns are plus 280. Who's betting the Browns to win the division? Who are the people who are like at the bar with their buddies going, I'll tell you, you got to watch out for the Browns. Well, it's funny because you do look at, okay, take the quarter acquisition aside. It's like quietly added Amari Cooper, right? Have Miles Garrett as a, as a great defender. They've got the two, the, maybe the best running back duo in the league. They've got a nice core and a good offensive line and a coach who won coach of the year a couple of years back and a good front office, all things so. And it's like this quarterback, this was their addition, like put all the chips in on Deshaun Watson. And yet this quarterback's the one thing that's keeping everyone back from saying, I could even stomach this team, let alone say that they're the team who's going to win the AFC North. But football is, you know, it's cutthroat in that, if he's given a six to eight game suspension and he's on the field by November, whether you can stomach it or not, he's going to be starting at quarterback and he's going to be a guy who's going to be someone that people are going to have to stay up at night worried about having to defend him because he is a good quarterback. I think the Bengals, I, this could be the rare, we lost the Super Bowl, but we actually might be back situation. Usually pretty, the Super Bowl loss, you go backwards. I don't think they will. They're pretty loaded, and they added at that offensive line. I mean, they're yeah. bringing in Karras and Kappa, and they got Lyle Collins. And I'll tell you, Burrow uh, right now is, and I want to say Newport Beach by you training. And I know that like Justin Jefferson's there, and Jamar Chase was there. Like mm. Burrow is, and it's one of those deals where it's the nobody believes in us team that was the nobody believes in us team last year. Like right. No one's like, somehow this worked out for them. They almost won the Super Bowl, and everybody's like, eh, eh which is great. Crowning the Bills, which we've talked about, which yeah, like, Josh Allen's the, the MVP favorite. The Bills are the favorite, the whole thing. Chiefs are going to be back better than ever without Tyreek Hill somehow. And the Bengals are kind of sitting there like, we did beat the Titans in their building, and we did beat the Chiefs coming down from 21 to three. So I'm very, very bullish on the Bengals, um, even if Vegas is not at the moment. Jimmy G. Crazy. Crazy. Th- this situation is going to drag on even more, I think. And well, here's where, So when, when can he play again, do you think? What's your, what couple, are your sources saying? Next couple of weeks, the hope is. But Bill, he's down in Southern California training on his own, not with the team. Meanwhile, Trace, Trey Lance was there the entire minicamp, the entire OTAs. And the, you know, we always talk about the aggregators and the Niners blogs put this up. He, he crushed it. He crushed it. And 
he he's learning the playbook, but not only that, like has a voice now. And with Jimmy gone, it's it's not necessarily the Ewing theory, but it's the leadership theory where there was a vacuum where like Jimmy wasn't going to be there as a 30-year-old captain of the team and Trey trying to learn from him. It was Trey being handed the ball and being like, all right, be the guy now. Um came can a I long be way. Do- can I be dubious of some of this? Yes, of course. Of course. Because uh, you, we know it's the bingo card of this guy is coming in. This young QB is coming in his own bingo card. Yeah, yeah, he has a voice now. This is his team. The game's slowing down for him. Unbelievable seven on seven the other day in practice. We've seen it. You're not going to believe it. how great. Like how many times have we been? Didn't we do this with Trubisky even? Trubisky. Like over and over again. Oh, Trubisky. Oh, my Sam God. Sam Darnold. Yeah. I mean, I, Sam Darnold, oh, I remember that summer Jets fans were like, oh my gosh, it's it's there, right? And uh, we've heard it before, but, you know, Lance, from what I gather, uh, the hope is that he'll be the guy. But Jimmy, here's the deal. I, I think Jimmy would be fine coming back to San Francisco at this point than being traded to some place where he has no say on it. And he'll make $25 million. And if they want to knock that down, he could talk with his agents, whatever. But uh, let it be an open competition there. And I would want to think that Lynch and Shanahan, prideful men, they made this trade. They traded multiple. I would want to think that that Lance would win out that competition as much as they appreciate what Jimmy's done. But Garoppolo has this amazing knack for for winning over teammates and winning over jobs mm. and finding a way. But I don't see a trade partner for Jimmy G right now, and I think it might be one of those deals. If anything, uh, a training camp injury, uh, a a preseason game injury where Jimmy. It's like the Trent out. Green injury, something like that. Like, it oh might- my God, we were gonna, we thought we could make the Super Bowl, and now our guys out. The thing with Jimmy G, I rarely recommend not working. As you know, I'm a hard worker. I yeah. believe in work. I believe in fulfilling your financial obligations. And yet, if he's not 100% healthy, wouldn't my goal if I'm him, the team doesn't want me anymore. They want to move on to Trey Lance. They've made that clear. Don't you go into like, I got to look out for myself mode at some point during this whole thing and be like, look, man, I'm not 100% healthy yet. Feeling good. I'm coming back. But I want to take this at my pace because, you know, I'm going to be a free agent. I don't want to jeopardize my next deal, my next situation. And he could kind of rig it where he stays. He gets paid. He's the backup. And he's still kind of lingering over this still has, in case something bad happens. It still has the body of work where no one's going to question whether he can do it. Um, he kind of already did this by, you know, right before the combine when everything happens and trades are happening. I, I don't think the team was well aware of the timing of it. He says, I'm going to get surgery on my shoulder, making him virtually untradeable. So yeah. by doing that in February, before all the carousel happens, like now Jimmy Garoppolo can only be traded for about 30 cents on the dollar as opposed to, Healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe the Washington Commanders are like, we'd rather have Jimmy G than Wentz. Or maybe the Colts would say, we'd rather have Jimmy G than Matt Ryan. But I'm not taking Jimmy G on in that salary coming off a shoulder surgery that he just got without my doctors doing it, without me knowing exactly how he is. So, Well, the funny thing is the Washington probably could have gotten him for free, right? Yeah, in a way, sure. They would have to give him a pick. They just, they would have taken the salary off San Francisco's hands. Everyone's happy. Very possible. Uh, but come Instead, combine, they're stuck with Wentz. Stuck with Wentz, and we'll see. I mean, some of, that that organization right now, very interesting year. <laughs> see how that all goes down from ownership on down, and to put your your team's faith in Carson Wentz's hands after the past few seasons, a very bold, bold roll the dice. The stats on him the last month of the season. Somebody had a whole thing about this like a week ago, and it's like, like staggeringly bad. Um, MVP watch. 
Oh, by the way, what is your prediction for the Jimmy G thing? Where is he in November? I think he's a San Francisco 49 I think he is in November. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 hey, I've been saying this. I know I'm not trying to say like, hey, check the receipts and tomorrow he could be traded. But knowing what, what, he, what he's all about and knowing what the Niners are all about, like they're... Their front office, and it starts with Lynch, but it goes to Adam Peters and Parag Murad. Like they need to win every negotiation. That's just any free agent who goes to the Niners, any trade. Like they do not lose this. They view themselves as as not the smartest guys in the room, and in the sense that's arrogance. But like they're very savvy with this stuff. They're not going to take on Antonio Brown. They're not going to take on Odell Beckham and get robbed in a trade. They're going to be the ones that sit back and say, "We'll figure it out." They aren't going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo for twenty cents on the dollar just because they won't. MVP watch. So, uh, we mentioned Allen is seven to one. You love MVP on Fanduel. I do. <laughs> this is in July. Well, no, no, it's all leading. It's it's leading to a destination. I love it. Mahomes eight to one. Brady eight to one. Those are the three favorites, along with Rogers ten to one. Herbert ten to one. He's fifth. Ooh, okay. So I think you can learn some stuff from the betting, right? So Herbert is now considered a top five MVP candidate. Burrow is twelve to one. So there's more MVP buzz for Herbert than Burrow, at least on FanDuel. Russell Wilson, 14 to 1. I like it. Lamar's 20 to 1. Carr, 25 to 1. Where's our guy up in New England, Bill? Well, that's where we're heading. Mac Jones, 40 to 1. Let's go. 40 to 1. That's not a bad bet. Their division odds have dropped to plus 450. I mean, he's strong, chiseled chin now. Love it. It's starting to look like like a Helmsworth brother. Right? Hemsworth? Helmsworth? Hemsworth? Don't starting know. to look like a Hemsworth brother. I saw Thor Ragnarok got killed by the critics. Richard Wilber yeah, hated it, but like I love it. Mac Jones. People will still <laughs> like it. Uh, all the same bingo card stuff. He's a different guy. Oh, my God. They can't believe how good he looks. This is his team now. He's not intimidated by Belichick. Um, New offensive coordinator drama. Maybe this is just Max offense. Do we even need an offensive coordinator? It's all starting. There was some good, uh, some good stuff about how much they've spent on the receiving core. They've spent more on receivers and tight ends for 2022 than any other team in the league. Did you know that? It's like $72 million on receivers and tight ends. Can I, I add know. A little, let me add a little fuel to this fire. Yeah, um, please do. Because I think you, myself, Nephew Kyle and maybe Kevin Will. I don't know. Maybe Kevin like Wilds. Four, Kevin, Kevin Wilds. Maybe there. maybe there's four or five of us. Let me. Last year he goes in there as this like everyone kind of rolling their eyes. That this howdy doody kid coming in, fifth quarterback taken, beats out Cam Newton in training camp. But not only beats him out, wins over the locker room. And Cam Newton's one of those popular guys in yeah. the locker room from the year before, and goes on that seven win tear, then kind of falls off, and then this off season. Tom House to start it off, then the personal trainer, then the team stuff. And coming out of it, like we had on um, Johnny Smith on Good Morning Football. And he's like, no, like oh, yeah. Matt I is, saw it. And, and it gets you fired up. And then you hear things from Kendrick Bourne. And it's like, they, by yeah. the way, nothing gets me far, more fired up than the teammates yep. raving about the QB who when have you have no, the QB. Who have yeah. no incentive to do so. They could easily say, we like Matt, but like for Johnny yeah, Smith. Yeah, they could be, be like, hey, he's a good guy. He's fine. Good guy saying that this guy is goofy off field and like turns it on when the lights come on. I'm like, I like hearing that looks different. And from everything I hear from up there, like it is, they are very excited that you hear things like 40 to one or that 
we're doing segments on Good Morning Football. Who's going to have the breakout second year season? And we're doing flips about Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and somehow Mac Jones, a pro bowler in year one. Now having mastered the, the playbook and now having mastered the locker room and being that guy and having better physical uh, physical shape hasn't been mentioned. I, I feel very good about Mac Jones in year two. That year one wasn't a, wasn't a, a, uh, a fluke. And number two, like the ceiling. I feel like he can get even better. They're plus 450 to win the division now in FanDuel. Nephew Kyle Kyle texted me last week. And I think he was really worried about my feelings about the Pats for this season. Because I I went to some dark places with the defense. Yeah. How slow the linebackers were. Sure. How much Buffalo just beat the living shit out of them in that playoff game and how much faster Buffalo seemed. And then the weird draft the Pats had. And I I was like, we're going to go like seven and 10. And letting Jackson walk out. That's a whole question mark. Yeah. So last week, Kyle was like, hey, are we really going to watch 17 Pats games together if you don't believe in this team? He was going to do it anyway. And I was like, Kyle, I believe. Good. I've talked myself into it. It took till July, but I have now talked myself into at least the Pats being a really fun offensive team that will be, I think, just better and more explosive offensively than people realize. I have no idea what's going to happen to the linebackers. And and. Are they going to have like a four-two-five? I was texting with Mina about this. Yeah, is it just going to be like five D backs all the time? Oh, it's. Are they going to have weird formations because they do not have enough competent linebackers? But other than that, I think I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. The uh, the Chargers you mentioned earlier always an interesting team in July and August. I spent a lot of time with Brandon Staley. Uh, here comes the name drops. Everyone, you can skip yeah. ahead if you can't handle it. Um, Sean McVay's <laughs> Sean McVay's wedding. Uh, it was great. And I got to sit with Staley and my wife yeah. and his wife were sitting together. We're talking for a while. And his whole thing was like, Herbert is like this, this great, but the defense is what they focus on all off season. And when you add yeah. Khalil Mack and JC Jackson and the Sebastian Joseph day, it's like, they felt like they got three really good players to add to a defense that was getting better down the end. Like chargers as a, Sleeper team is an annual tradition, but I don't there. You can't call them a sleeper team this year. They're not I think people, right? like they're on the radar. Well, did you see their first five games? What do we got home Las Vegas? So there'll be no, I'm sure there'll be some Raider fans there, whatever. Yeah. At Kansas city on a Thursday night, four days later, Tough the one. first, the first Amazon game. Let's go. Tough one. You, oh, oh no, your girl's not on that show. Uh, Jacksonville home at Houston. At Cleveland, if you can't be four and one or three and two, you're not. I mean, this is that's the schedule you want. That's that feels like four and one. That Thursday, week two, Kansas City, Kansas City on a Thursday night. There always some weird shit happens. Chargers will be like a six point underdog, maybe four point underdog. You beat them last year there, but that feels like that could be a five and zero. And then they're home Denver, home Seattle bye week. It's really stacked. Then you go through the rest of it at Atlanta. I, it get, definitely gets harder the second half of the season, but like their first half, pretty good schedule for them. So yeah, I think my fear for them is I think a lot of people are going to be on that wagon. Like and they will lot. be. Uh, it, it's a offense. team with no home field advantage. It's a team that had a coach that did some of the strangest things we've seen in a few years last year. And, you know, I just, I, I would hesitate to just go too nuts on them. Sure. But I do like them. I like them too. And then you look at the division and we did this on Good Morning Football. Bill, what what team would you predict is in last place in the AFC West? 
Ugh. I mean, you just by default have to go with the Raiders. Yeah, even the Broncos having not made the playoffs in seven years, just the Russell factor. Just gonna, the Raiders added Devontae and Chandler Jones. Like I'm not. I know. I worry about. I worry it's about the, the top heavy part with the Raiders when you have there. those rosters where you have the seven guys, but like you start listing Renfro and through, Waller. And, yeah, they yeah. missed a lot of draft picks the last few years, so I, yeah. I would worry about that. I think the Chiefs are an interesting. Could see them taking a step back team. It's by far the most fun division this year. It's such a you good could make division. a case either way for each team. I was in Kansas City too, and I was speaking with their general manager, and he was going through their wide receiver room. And Veach, who is is one of the most innovative guys, he's like, we have guy like Justin Watson, who not everyone knows who that is, but he was on the Buccaneers practice squad. He came in and played really well in minicamp. We have Justin mm. Ross, this kid who's undrafted out of Clemson, who's coming off an injury. He played really well. Like they've got twelve wide receivers that are going to be vying for about six spots and. At no point did it feel like that, like they're losing sleep on the Tyreek Hilton. And as Tyreek Hill's doing podcasts and comparing Tua to Mahomes, like they've already flipped the page, and the rest of us on the media are like, "Well, the Tyreek Hill thing." I, I feel like they've already said, "Okay, well, we'll just have to change our offense a little bit, and we'll be just fine." And the Chiefs, a little more running, them, yeah. And for them to not be the hunted, but to be the hunters, like that's a scary prospect too. Yeah, go through the odds on Fanduel for the AFC. And it's the Bills are the favorites, plus 350. And then it goes Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Ravens, Bengals. The Bengals are the sixth highest. It's crazy. Colts, Titans, 15 to one. But Titans, the you one can make seed a case. last year. Yeah, you one can seed. make a case that they could take a huge step back. Cleveland, 20 to one, which is insane. Miami, 21. Then New England, 22 to one. Vegas, 25 to one. Wow. Dolphins, Dolphins that low is interesting too, because I think there's a huge hype train for the Dolphins right now. Yeah, so just going backwards, like Bills, Chiefs, Chargers. I think I trust those three to at least be like nine to ten games. I don't even know if I totally trust the Chiefs. I don't know about the Chargers. I, you know, we talked how good they are on paper, but yeah, so maybe just... it's just the Bills. Then Broncos, Ravens. I would say the only teams I a hundred percent trust from the AFC would be the Bills and the Bengals, and that's why I was shocked that the Bengals were sixth highest odds because I don't think they got worse. I think Burrow is like, I think he's, he's, he's got it. He's not going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe we made a Super Bowl. That was he's so cool. Like that dude thinks he's the best player in the league. He does. And he's and, got a whole, Yeah. So unless team. they have some injury, but you could say that about any team. So anyway, we've talked about that. this too with the Bengals, like their windows now, because whether they want to yep. preach that they're going to pay all the, like, it's just not historically speaking, the Bengals are not going to be able to pay all of these guys. They've done better in free agency and they've taken care of their own, but all those guys, whether it be Chase or Boyd or, or, or Higgins or Burrow, like someone's not going to be back in the next couple of years. So like, this is the window. And I think they realize that. And if they've got to capitalize now. Before you go, we're going to play a game called elite QB or not an elite QB. I want to see exactly how many elite QBs we have. Okay. This is the hackiest segment possible, but I, I actually... Fun. I really I like, like the cons because we always, Russell and I always did the top t- top 20, top five players. Yep. So maybe we'll do top 15, top five QBs. But okay. I think we would both have Allen and Mahomes and Brady yep. and Rodgers and Herbert. So there's five. Yep. I think Burrow is six for me. In this order or just in the pool? No, just in I'm the- just going through. Okay. Not, yep. not, I'm not ranking. I think Stafford has to be there because he won a Super Bowl. Agreed. And it was fantastic in big spots down the stretch. Yep. 
I think Russell Wilson has to be there, but I also feel like he's got to kind of prove it to us again this season because I don't feel like he was an elite QB last year. He wasn't, but I would go back to Stafford last year and Brady the year before. There is a bump when these guys get revitalized, and I would give him the benefit of the doubt knowing what he's doing with Hackett right now that, yes, Russell's going to be great this year. So how many is that? That's eight? That's eight. What do you do? I'll give you a name. What well, do you do well, I'm going to keep going. Okay. All right. I want to play host. All right. Lamar? Yes. I'll say yes. I think he has to be, he has to prove, he's almost like Russell Wilson. He's getting legacy status for it, but I would like to see it this season, please. Do you, feel, do you feel like with Lamar, like I, for some reason in my head, I'm like, oh, he missed 12 games last year. He only missed five games last year and they were like one and four with him out. But I feel like it wasn't healthy Lamar and there was COVID stuff. And like, I'm going to give him a mulligan on last season and say over the course of the first three years, he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think it's a it's the resume at this point, but I need him to show me again. All right, so there's nine. Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins to me have to be, you can have both or neither, but you can't pick one because they have the exact same stats. They have the exact same career resume. And to me, there's no difference between them. I other than that, one plays for a famous team and the other plays for a famously tragic team. <laughs> but you can have both or neither. I'm not allowing you to take one. I'm going to say both. And I would say more on the balance of Dak and knowing how he's respected around the league. And if you talk to these GMs and coaches, they all put Dak in that conversation. There's very few skeptics on Dak. Cousins can go here or there. But I think uh, within the league, Dak is looked at as not only uh, a more reliable quarterback than Cousins and not only like that guy who can win you games, but also in the building, like the leader, like that unquestioned leader. And I'll, I'll put Dak in that conversation. And I'll give you Cousins too. I think Cousins is a Elite's a tough word with Kirk Cousins, but I would say he's in that top ten. All right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna approve either of those applications yet. Okay, Kyler Murray to me is the is the second toughest call in this whole list because I was I'm still alarmed by the playoff game. I'm still alarmed by every season they tail off in the second half, and I just are you a fantasy QB? Or are you a QB that I can actually win a couple of playoff rounds with? I have no idea, which brings us back to the definition of the elite QB. What does that mean? Does an elite QB mean I'm, I can be a playoff team if you're my QB? Or does it mean if Wouldn't I have check. a decent team around you, I'm guaranteed to win 10 to 11 games and maybe sniff around conference finals? We've never really established the precise definition. So if it's just the, yeah, okay, cool. We could go 10 and 7 with you. Then that means Dak and Kirk Cousins. and Kyler. And I think Mac Jones, I think all those guys are in there. This, the question, this to me feels like the cutoff line because Mac's the last piece of this. And and fiscally, there are these discussions being had for all these guys because the second contract usually ends up now being $40 million. And you're like, if you're the elite guy, there's no question. We do this. We sign the deal. And with Allen and Mahomes, like it was done, done, done. And Lamar, the Ravens want to pay him. So that with Dak, there was a bit of a wait. With Cousins, of course, he got his. But like Kyler... Just I, the Cardinals have not forked over that forty million dollars. So maybe, maybe that's maybe that's how you figure this out. I think it is. It's but the all second of them contract. usually get it. They usually get it. But Kyler Very, didn't get it. Not yet. He's got a whole season, and he he did Lamar get it? get it. Lamar hasn't gotten it yet. They've offered it. They want him to take it. He hasn't accepted it. He wants to ride it out a little bit longer and see what the next contract is so he can top that one. Lamar is truly a maverick in this thing where he's rolling the dice and saying, I've got an offer in hand, and yet I think I can make even more, which is fascinating. So then Watson 
I guess technically is, even though we, but yeah, we're not but, sure if we're going to see him again. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, because the Texans gave it to him before all this stuff. So yes, he's an elite guy. Tannehill, I, <sighs> that's where it gets dicey. So I guess basically the real way to define elite QB is would somebody blink if they had to pay them $30 million a year? Because that's yeah. the going rate for an elite QB, right? 35. 35. 35. So it's probably somewhere between 10 to 15 guys, depending on how desperate. Like Jalen Hurts to me is not an elite QB because I don't think anyone's paying him 35 million. I don't think Jimmy G is. No. Matt Ryan, uh, not anymore. Not not, not anymore. Um, you go around Lawrence, the board. Lawrence, not yet. Not yet, but the expectation is he will be. Uh, obviously, Trubisky wasn't. He didn't get it. And then they drafted Pickett. Um, so that should be, instead of elite QB, which again, we said at the top is super hacky. The 35 club? Yeah, it's like the, would you blink at 35 million a year for this guy? Because That it's should the be the definition. Yeah. That's the market. And Tannehill makes just a shade under that, you know? And then if the Titans, if Tannehill's contract's up right now and they just drafted Willis in the third round, are you going to re-up him? Are you going to give him 35 million? I think Tannehill has to prove it this season, despite being a one seed and NFL comeback player of the year and Pro Bowl year after Pro Bowl year. Like, I still don't think the Titans would give him 35 if they were forced to right now, if they were asked about it. Well, because like in basketball, we have max guys. That's Are you a max guy? You're not a max guy. So football, maybe we just call it max guy and the max would be like 35 million a year, which is to carry in a salary cap is pretty brutal. Yeah. So Dave, so Derek Carr proved yeah. that he's he an NFL max guy. They gave him a second contract and they tried to lock him down and, and that's it. So he is. He he played a card that I appreciated. It's a total straw man. He's like, nobody's talking about us, about the Raiders. And I'm like, Dude, Man, everyone's talking, talking. Everyone's yeah, talking about you. Come on. You trade a friend of Devontae Adams. The, the, the expectation for him and Adams are so high right now that I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious to see it because I think we can't underestimate how good Aaron Rodgers is and now Carr has to match that. Well, I wish I had framed that as who, is, who are NFL max, max guy quarterbacks. But now we, we did it retroactively. We did it. Is there, anyone, at social. is there anyone we haven't included? I'm trying to think. No. We hit everybody. I'm sure there's going to be one fan base. What about Jared Goff? Um, Goff. All right, Schrager, next time I see you, we'll be able to sniff the football season. Justin Watson, fantasy sleeper. Justin Watson, that's what we'll be talking about. I can't wait. wait. Enjoy the summer. See you in August. You are the man, Bill. Enjoy. All right, one of our favorite actors died today. Jimmy Kahn. Age 82. I thought it was, I, I thought it was like a hoax at first because his Twitter account broke the news and I didn't know what was going on. And then, you know, producer Craig told us and I was just like, it, it, but then it turned out it was true. Brian Koppelman is here. We lost uh, one of the true icons here, BK. Man, uh, as we were saying the other day, I mean, if he'd only ever been Sonny Corleone, he would have left just a crazy, indelible mark. One of the one of the greatest filmic performances ever. Um, and of course, that's not the only thing that he ever did. It's a huge, it's a huge loss. And the guy was he was just really, really uh, singular. He was always we were talking about the same. I mean, he was a great actor and also always James Conn. You're right. I. I thought that today. I actually tweeted it. I think he was just a one-on-one there. Once, 
once he faded out of his like leading man prime, it's not like somebody else came in and was like, okay, now I'm going to get all the James Conn parts. There, there were no James Conn parts. If James Conn wasn't in it, the part didn't exist. Well, that's why, like, even in a small thing like Bottle Rocket, that little part that he does in Bottle Rocket, it's like, it has such impact because it's James Conn. Right. Uh, and there was this, like, um, you know, like, Wesley Morris would do this way better to conceptualize it in this way. But, like, you know, he had this amazing thing, which he was a true tough guy. But there was also deep inside of him, obviously, something sensitive, something that saw humanity. And so you had this great duality, which was he wasn't merely a thug ever. You know, the gambler, I'm sure the gambler's huge for you, like it is for me. And uh, it was the first movie like that I ever saw. I mean, there was nothing like that before that movie. And that scene of him playing the one on, you know, the one-on-one against that guy at the beginning of that movie, and then going back to it and the way that he uh, is able to capture what it feels like to have so much on the line. Um, uh, truly, and, and you talked about this, you mentioned this on the Misery podcast with me. Which we like just put up three sh- days ago, weirdly. The sheer physicality that he brought to these roles where he didn't just act with his mind. That guy was fully in it, bodily, like 100% in it. And we talked about just the way he was built, those shoulders, the the biceps that he had, the way he walked like an athlete. Not a lot of actors truly walk like an athlete, and he did. Uh, like he owned the space he was in all the time, right? And that was what our friend Goldman, who wrote Misery, was saying about why he liked James Conn in that role because he was confined to a bed. And he was like, this is a guy who normally was crawling off, cl- crawling off the walls with every character he played. Now he's just stuck in one place. And he thought the energy of that really worked. I was thinking, you know, by the mid-70s, I'm starting to go to movies with my dad. I remember he took me to The Sting when I was like four. But we yes. only child, there was a lot less to do. And your parents would just bring you to the movies. And it just felt like there were there's certain actors from that decade that just seemed like these gods. They seemed like these big screen movie stars, you know, like Clint. It was like one name was like Clint and Burt, Newman, Redford. I felt like Jimmy Conn was was like one of those guys. He wasn't maybe the super duper star on that top, top level, but he was right underneath. And when he was in the right role, you knew it. And there was like a testosterone element to him that I think kind of weirdly ties into that era. These, it's like, I, I think of like testosterone performances, like, like Burt Reynolds and Deliverance is just yeah. like a testosterone performance, right? He's an athlete in peril, but he's not even an athlete in the movie, but this athletic guy in peril who's just got to figure it out. And you have confidence, but he seems normal. And that's what the Jimmy Conn thing to me that he always figured out was he always felt like you could hang out with him and have a drink with him, but you also wouldn't want to fuck with him. And I don't know how he navigated it, but he always had it. 100%. I mean, when you talk about those guys who would make you go to the theater for them, you and I have talked on a few podcasts about doing um, a rollerball rewatchables. Yes. We're going to do at some point. This summer, definitely now. Why did we go to that movie as kids? Why did we make our parents take us to that R-rated movie and sneak us in there? Was because uh, him in that part, like the idea of that game, which looked incredible, but that guy at the center of it made it feel and seem real. You believed because of that athletic thing, like you're saying it as testosterone, but I, and I think of it as the swagger that great natural athletes have when you... You know, you know that thing when you're getting ready to play pickup 
suddenly you see somebody walking even in the gym and you're like, I want that guy on my team be just because of the way they move. Uh, I see it on tennis courts. You could just be like, oh, that's going to be a tough guy. To... And J- James Conn moved that way. And look, uh, I-, I don't know if like the couple year age difference between us makes Brian's song a bigger deal for me. No, nope. but like it's, I, it's, it is the same big you. deal for you too. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that comes out when I'm five years old. So I'm sure my dad showed it to me when I was seven, you know what I mean? Or eight. And I mean, I must've watched that movie, what, 20 times as a kid or something like that. Um, and again, I think only it's, he could pull. it's, it's one of the two great sports TV movies ever. That one and Jericho mile. It's probably well, the first definitely great... not the, definitely not the, uh, John, John Capaletti story a season for Joey. That's definitely <laughs> no, that's not, not one of the there. great, that's not but one of the great ones. You could make a case. It's the first modern sports movie. Even though it's super old, you watch it, it feels rooted in the late 60s. I get it. But um, it was incredibly rewatchable. It was on all the time. It was made for TV, so didn't have to be edited in any way. And as soon as he gets sick, first of all, there's something about him where you're just like, I fucking love this guy. Yes. And if you don't know what's going to happen, then it's like, wait, he's sick? Is he going to get through this? And it's like, wait, is he, is he going to die? And it's, it's, uh, well, that it's just one that of the cut- better ones. That moment that they cut in there and he's got the, his curse finger up at the tumor coming back. Like it is what a great actor's choice. And you're so invested and connected to him. And that run of, you know, Brian's song into the Godfather, which obviously just blows him up uh, as this huge star. Uh, and then the gambler, which is this incredible uh, actor performance and then for that brief period of time and then roll the ball right one after of those that guys yeah yeah he does and he was one of those guys then he has four performances in the span of like six years that felt like they were like 12 performances because you start with brian's song you go to sonny corleone which we don't have to redo the sonny corleone conversation here but it's just this one-of-a-kind character you you're afraid of other people for him you're just like, oh, don't make Sonny mad. You believe that he could have sex with anybody in the movie. Um, you want him to figure out the Don thing. You really don't want him to screw it up. He's also like the right, the father-son dynamic with him and Brando is perfect. Like when Brando gets mad at him and you buy it, that Sonny kind of lays down, right? Because it's like, oh, he, he's a son too. But the, he's a brother, he's a son. He's, he's playing all these different parts in the same role. And you're crushed when he dies. Crushed. All time crush. You're crushed when he dies. Uh, because I still get you, upset. Fifty years yeah. later, it's like, damn, they should have done the alternate take where he just ducks all the bullets. So he's got those two. Goes right to the gambler, and then he goes to Jonathan O and Rollerball, which I still think is one of the great sports movies ever made. I think it's one of the great sports movie performances ever. I don't want to blow. Like, I don't want us ever. to blow it all out before we do the pot. But Rollerball no, is a it, ever. fucking classic. Uh, there's a reason you and I both love it so much and have brought it up to each other so much over the last fucking 25 years or whatever, because it's, uh, it's for what it is. It's just, uh, incredible. And he gets like, okay, that moment when he's talking to the big boss guy. So he's not just an athlete, but he's a guy who's yearning. And maybe that's part of it is like, he always was as a character kind of saw that there was a better life out there that he could grab if he could just be a little smarter, a little bit better. Always Sonny, like from Sonny Corleone and The Gambler and Rollerball. It's like he he was smart enough, the characters he played, uh, to to see there was something better, but not quite smart enough to get there. And it was very touching. 
all the time to be well. To then it peaks with guy. it peaks with Thief, which is yeah, six years amazing. later. But we did that on the rewatchables. Me and yeah, Chris. Uh, it was a course. one for us. Not everybody's seen it, but it was Michael Mann's second movie. Same kind of thing, same kind of physicality, but this time, you know, he's breaking into stuff, and there's like this precision. But Michael Mann insists that he has to learn you know, how to break into safes and stuff like that. So you have Khan like with this weird intensity channeled into these little tasks, but you also have to believe him in the shootout. That was probably his his last great leading man role. Cause then, you know, let's let's be honest, the late seventies and the uh and the eighties were not kind to Jimmy Khan. He well he, he had, had some a demons. period, but he but then guys like Wes Anderson started like like noticing and James Gray, what like and Chris McQuarrie all these really important, you know, young, at the time, like young um, filmmakers were like, I can use what that guy has. And so in the mid nineties, there's this big comeback for him, uh, yeah. you know, uh, and the yards, if people haven't seen the yards, like that's an awesome movie and his performance in way of the gun is fantastic. And bottle rocket is like this amazing movie. Um, it is a small part in and, and then I never watched um, the TV show, but I mean, it's amazing that that guy had, this like seven year run on the pro yeah, the, or whatever. Yeah. But he also had the program, which is uh, a very flawed college football movie that I think people like, he's yeah. not great in it, but, uh, and then elf was the other one where, of course, hilarious for the elf, kids. He genius. became the guy from elf, but you know, I think you look at him and John Cazale specifically, John Cazale only made five movies cause he died tragically. Right. And his IMDb is still the greatest IMDb of all time. But that con run is the same thing. Like when you can have a run like that, it's almost like sports. If you have the six year run of parts and characters like that, the rest of it almost doesn't matter. And the fact that he hung around with the kind of life that he led, that he hung around until 2022 is kind of incredible. Like there's a 50 year Godfather anniversary photo that he's in and it's Coppola and Pacino and De Niro. It's all those guys. It's amazing. It's basically everybody but Brando. And he yeah, I mean, it. look, it's like if a guy writes two perfect sports books and never writes another one, he still had that run. Yeah. He still had that run of writing two great sports books. You know what I'm saying? Well, what's funny... That, you that's, met, that's, you, um, that's you I'm talking about. I, I was ignoring you. I wasn't even going to listen to it. Uh, <laughs> you're such a dick. <laughs> the, we talked about how he is a one-on-one. Yes. You know how we know he's a one-on-one? Because they kept remaking the movies that he was awesome in and they were always disappointing. They remade The Gamble with Wahlberg. They remade Rollerball, which was oh, an absolute atrocity with Chris both, Klein. Both, by the way, it the was James really likable act. Yeah, but you know what? That's a really great point because both are LL and Wahlberg, huge stars, totally likable, great, and they could not make those things come alive. How about this? They remade Brian's song. I and forgot that. At some point, they're going to remake The Godfather. It will happen after no, all of us are older. Is, we can't fight. I think the offer is the offer is the closest that 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 they're going to come, and the offer is totally entertaining. But that's the closest that they're going to come. I don't know. I don't think. I they feel like they're going to redo it. Uh, they could remake Rollerball again, and I think if they did it correctly, it could be tying in all the stuff in 2022 and wherever I mean, the world's going. I, that might I mean, be an I interesting movie. Levine and I would stupidly take on that challenge. I mean, I would stupidly try, and I know I, I, I think it'd be very difficult, but I would totally stupidly try. Yeah, I don't want to step but, on the roller. I don't want to step on the rollerball pod, but um, I do think that movie's. I think when a movie's fifty years old, I'm ready to at least discuss the remake, except for maybe The Godfather. That's it. And ignore that there was one. 
That movie's old. We gotta, I still love yeah. it, but yeah, it's old. I get it. Like, I feel like Jaws is untouchable. There's some untouchables. That is, I if think, I can uh, still the enjoy God, them now, you got You can't touch them. The, the Godfather can't be touched. Look, I think that the thing is, it's funny, you know, yes, of course, James Caan isn't Robert Redford. No, and and to say it is it, it isn't isn't fair. Like, but on the other hand, Sonny Corleone is up there, or maybe surpasses anything that Redford ever did. It's certainly up there. I mean, Sundance. He played Sundance Kid and Three Days of the Condor and whatever. But but Sonny Corleone is that's why is is uh, as great and as important and as exciting and as memorable and as singular. A movie performance as has ever been put down on screen. And there, one guy did that. And that guy is James Conn. Well, that's the thing. If you go Mount Rushmore for best characters he played, you'd have to have Sonny Corleone, obviously. You'd have to have Jonathan O. I think you have to have Brian Piccolo. And then the fourth one is either Frank from Thief or the guy from The Gambler, depending on which movie you like more. But that has to probably be the top four. And those I would four say The Gambler is a... More important movie to me, but Thief is the one. You'd have to go with Thief, probably. But I, if yeah. you if you really passionately made a gambler case, I would accept it. But just those four characters, which James Caan is just dripping all over each character, right? It's not, this isn't De Niro as Jake LaMotta or De Niro as Rupert Pupkin, like becoming a different person. As you said earlier, James Caan was always James Caan in the movie in some way. He wasn't, he wasn't going to veer too far away from James Caan. But those four characters you could put against any guy from that era. I was thinking the testosterone one. Another one was, remember that Clint Eastwood movie? What was it? Every Which Way But Loose with the ape? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Where it's basically just Clint in a sleeveless t-shirt just kind of driving around a Chuck. He's doing bare knuckle fights and that's the plot of the movie. <laughs> and it was fucking great. They made a sequel, but it was like, they don't, nobody has charisma like that anymore. I guess maybe now that you just put a Marvel cape on him. Two, but. two things not to leave out, I think. One, who he was in the 70s. Meaning yeah. the way hanging with Jim Brown and everyone else at the Playboy Club and doing those play the greatest one of the best Playboy interviews ever yeah and just living this crazy life that he lived you know when you talk about the seventies wasn't that great for him as an artist you know it probably had to do with this life that he was living kind of in a huge way that like those other actors weren't and I got it we got to shout out the fact that not many people who were as big stars as James Caan have a kid who's done as much as Scott Caan. And uh, you got to shout out the fact that, that, that the genes were so strong and whatever James Conn did is that Scotty Conn is out there, you know, number one on the call sheet of one of the biggest television shows, hugely great in the Oceans movies, a filmmaker in his own right. Yeah. And like walks around like it's just a smaller version of, of his pop. And uh, Scotty's a great guy, too. And I feel really bad for him uh, today. You know, I got to work with him on, on Oceans 13. But I have to say, like... Um, it's awesome. And I, I saw them together once. Um, I think at an art show of Scott's, I think James Conn showed up and like, what a, what an amazing thing that he got to see his, his son achieve those incredible heights too. Very rare. Well, you, you mentioned how the Playboy Club stuff, I mean, James Conn, if you go back to the people that really lived it up during an era when, you know, I don't think people knew cocaine was that bad for you, at least for a little while. And just in general, the partying rules were totally different. And you look at the IMDBs of some of those people and there's just years missing. And there could be reasons, right? Like some people, Pacino was doing 
on Broadway for a couple of years. And there's some actresses, same thing. But James Conn was like living such a hard life that his career is almost like a David Thompson type situation, right? Where it's a great analogy. He, he kind of honestly brilliant. It should have been like 12, 15 years of rollerball movies like that, but it ended up being six, seven. David Thompson's an amazing comparison. I love that comparison. Our guy. Yeah. Or or Bernard. I mean, Bernard was able to get it back a little bit like James. But yeah, it's it's I think there was some some late 70s, early 80s casualties in every aspect, right? Sports, movies, music, comedy, you name it. But at least Jimmy Conn, like he talked about it. You got the sense he had a great time though. Like when you watch his on he's pretty unapologetic. I didn't know him. I shook his hand once. I didn't know him at all. Um yeah. but you got the sense that he was unapologetic about the whole thing in a great, in a kind of great way. Um and uh and I hate the idea that you're not gonna be able to see him on screen anymore. Uh it sucks. Like uh look at least Duval and Pacino are still alive, but most of the rest of that and to Diane Keaton, Italia Shire, but most of the rest of that cast not alive anymore. Well, you think he made the probably the me- most rewatchable movie ever, and he's the most fun character in it. That's not a bad. That's like a that's like a championship ring. But yeah, it was. Uh, I think he had one of the higher approval ratings of anybody. Because the other thing is, some of these guys they age, and it it starts getting weird with. You know, like Burt Reynolds, I think, had a pretty weird last like 15 years, right? And a lot of, for a lot of different reasons. And you go on down the line, Clint has been able to just, he's just directing movies, he's kept his head down and he's kind of added to his career. So it can kind of go any way after they hit their apex. And I think for him, he had the apex, whatever happened, happened after that. And then he kind of moved into a really fun next phase. That was okay. He had the full comeback. And, And look, even though neither of us watched Las Vegas, like most people who had that career in the seventies don't get the five year run right. on a television show that people love. Like even if I didn't, it wasn't my show, but I got to respect that that guy showed up. Cause like most of those people, like you're saying casually, that guy showed up every day, learned all his lines and delivered on a show that like a lot of people loved that ran forever. And th- he did that in his seventies. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like a uh, true, like late era athlete stuff. Look, Really hard to, really hard to keep performing at that high level for that long, and um, especially when you've had those high moments that you're talking. Well, and about you've and you've had some James long Conn nights, did. and some long nights, yeah. and that's the other thing. What was interesting about the later part of his career is he's kind of wearing the career, just in the way he looks. You know, he just looks like a guy who had some fun during the day. Anyway, we're going to miss worked. him. In certain things. Yeah, we're going to miss James Kahn. And uh, thanks for having me on to talk about him. The Godfather, as you know, you know, movie means the most to me of any movie. So uh, uh, even though I think The Godfather 2 is the best movie of all time, The Godfather remains the one that means the most. And uh, and at the center of that movie, for most of that movie, before it becomes Michael's movie, is James Kahn. Yeah, when we did the rewatchables for Godfather 1, we made that case. that It's the one of the best pieces of pop culture created of the last 50 years. But Godfather 2 is probably the best movie in the last 50 years. It's pretty interesting how the two of them book any other. Yes. I was so glad to get to do Godfather 2 with you to make that case, but it doesn't yeah. diminish my love for the Godfather at all. The Godfather is still the most important in, in, in most ways because of what it means. All right, man. Thank you so much for having me on to talk about James Conn. 
we'll reconvene for a rollerball. And then uh, I'm sorry we didn't get Nadal Kyrgios, but Kyrgios Djokovic should be uh, should be pretty. That'll great. be a great anyway. match. I, I, yeah. It'll be fascinating. All right, dude. Talk to you soon. All right, see it. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Brian Koppelman and Peter Schrager and Kevin Wilds. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Burke as well. I will see you on Sunday night.